Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious... Percy, did I say Stanley? Did I say Asoto? Did I say Essex? Did I say Donald? Did I say Marlon? Did I say we are mantra spoken? We are called up. I am finding the rhythms, the same rhythms that we loved and made love too. We are each other's sons and we are each other's fathers and I am naming bruises for you all. We are warriors laying down with one another and I am naming the battles my body lost after you. With a real revolutionary, stand up with a real revolutionary, come us. You can suffocate hate, dismiss the now we. PDC still soldiers see. Stand up with a real revolutionary. Come bust, you can suffocate hate. Dismiss the now we. DDC still soldier. Soldier. Soldier outside, I'm a trick it. Turntable friendly, I'm on flip it. Revolution resurrects the mic check. I check the breath. Theoretically complex, keeping your facts. I place a hex on hex who say homos. Ain't really Negroes, ain't really heroes. Who gonna hold a gun when the pale horse comes? Get your black ass when other blacks ain't have your back. I was stacked, looking back, so I had, so to I had your black. black. Ready to attack from the sugar shack. You need fags, so don't get mad. Don't act grand like poop, but blacker than now. Hoopla, I'm on the front lines, but bullets don't discriminate. That the weight just open your eyes. Wait, Afrocentricity tries to embolish me. What you gonna do with no muse? With no links and hues in his blues. Michael ain't the only Jordan who soars. June, pop talk, RG Lord. Billy straight on the X's hip heel. Talk a revolution, but ain't nobody keeping it real. Will a real revolutionary stand up? Will a real revolutionary come bust? You can suffocate hate, dismiss the now we. DDC still soldiers. Will a real Revolutionary, stand up with a real revolutionary. Come bust, you can suffocate hate, dismiss, deny we. DDC still soldiers. When you're caught in a lockstep, just trying to get a rip and keep it real. Trying to deal, now you're looking for the steel. You got a full metal jacket to protect your insides from frying your crown while you're waiting on a pill. You're gonna kneel, maybe heal on your pins and the pins so the way you make a sense of your sense. Cause I've been here and there before inside your eyes, had the store. You did it cause you're poor and you want more. Red is always spreading on the floor. Got the 40, oh, you're headed for the door. Now you're covered with trash and trying to lay back cash in the crack, rock a padlock sound. Your daddy and your cousin said you're headed for Shit, peel potatoes, man, I could have did this shit down. They make a D down the street, and you feel the heat in the city of pants. And your teeth and your stench, you want to dance, but you're flailing, and you're flailing, because the nail and down your feet, you want to scream, but the pain is so sweet. Reverberating in the dream with the cream with the sheep. Loaf of bread, stick a butter, grab the milk, baby, meat, selling treats around circle. Maybe get a nigga killed for the chase is on. What did your nation build? I'm into the hill, and I'm soldiering. Will the real revolutionary stand up? Will the real revolutionary come bust? You can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny, we, DDC, still soldiers. Will Revolutionary, stand up with a real revolutionary. Come bust, you can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny. We DDC still soldier, see. Soldier, soldier, see. Cause I'm a soldier, somebody should have showed ya. And my mama should have told ya. I never scold ya, put nothing on ya. And you need to honor thy brother. So don't be late for self and check the health. Cause diamonds are goals under pressure. The stuff is undetectable until the stress then shows the true nature of best. Crystal blows and stand, hold firm to the flow, protect the dough. And step, you know, then take time for self. Relying on this, and I'm holding tight to fate. True that, and you have dominion over your life, so act like you know. Never been here before, but let me show you. Don't believe 
conscious of the fact we'll find that thou fears no man, no retreat, walk with the hand, and armed soldier, black man, God say I can and I will fulfill till death takes me still, destiny is real, for a soldier to be, I am, and I am ill. Will a real revolutionary stand up, will a real revolutionary combust, you can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny, we, DDC, still soldiers, will a real revolutionary stand up, will a real revolutionary combust, you can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny, we, DDC, still soldiers, see, will a real revolutionary stand up, will a real revolutionary combust, you can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny, we, DDC, still soldiers, will a real revolutionary stand up, will a real revolutionary combust, you can suffocate, hate, dismiss, deny, we, DDC, still soldiers. Uh, sounding good. Yay! Welcome. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to the weekly Happy review. Day. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. We have uh, Ken Folks and Samson McCormick. Very lucky to have them on the show today. Very happy to be on the show. This is Ken Folks. Um, yes, and I'm very happy. I'm Ken Folks too. I'm just playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm Samson McCormick. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could be that chocolatey. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, you are chocolatey. I was looking at one of your pictures on Facebook, uh, and I was like, that is just a chocolate goddess. Oh, watch out now. You know, Here's there's the never enough chocolate to go around. <laughs> never. I mean, chocolate is one of the best things. And then... Uh, no, it's uh, no. There was a picture. Uh, I think you were in like at the beach or something. You had oh like, yes, oh yes, that was. Just, oh, thank you. That was because look, I was wearing all white. Yes, you look at that picture, you just feel joy. Like there was so much joy in that picture. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, that was that was a very special day. Um, yeah, actually, I'll probably say a little bit about that day in particular because it was the Ma'afa day where we honor the ancestors who were lost during the Middle Passage and we go out to the beach in San Francisco in the wee wee hours, watch the sunrise and um, give offerings and ask for continued blessings. And so I was overjoyed. Can you imagine like 300 black folks all holding hands dressed in white you know, with um, flowers, sunflowers in our arms and babies and um, elders. Just uh, It was so beautiful, all feeling safe, which is such an impossible wow. thing to achieve in this country right now. Yeah, really, That's yeah. why I was so happy, 
because I knew what it felt like to be safe and loved. And that was one of those safe moments. Yeah, yeah, and a necessary one. Yeah. Little did we know that we'd need that to sustain us for, you know, the entire year. We probably need to do it every month. Um, that, yeah, anyway, that would be good. It, we, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that we would need something like that. Yeah. Um, so we're just taking over. We have taken over your show. <laughs> That's totally great. That's totally fine. I know. We just really... I'll, I'll give you all an introduction. Uh, Ken Folks is uh, the founder of Spectrum Queer Media, which I talk about on the show all the time and highly recommend. Uh, just so much great work that happens. And folks can check out the mic that happens at Perch every Tuesday evening, and that's at 440 Grand in Oakland. And it's a really wonderful space, and I can't recommend it highly enough for everyone who I meet who's coming through or who would like to perform or simply be in a really healing space. I feel like that really exemplifies the kind of community space that should exist uh, and be accessible to everyone. And so I'm very grateful that um, it continues to be a space that people feel like they can come to and share themselves. Oh, thank you, honey. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really blessed and honored to be in this community, a community that really understands prioritizing, valuing everyone. Yes. You know? So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I thank you for having, you know, come and bless the mic several times yourself and as a feature and also just holding space as one of our, our hosts. So, sure. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, we also have Samson McCormick, who is a comic and a director and producer. And I had the privilege of seeing Samson's most recent film, A Tough Act to Follow, which was great. And that's going to be in Toronto uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I see you perform, Samson, I'm always mesmerized. It's You have such a connection with the audience. And also what you say is so truthful and powerful. And as someone who has seen a lot of comedians uh, perform, it's really, I appreciate so much folks who actually say something truthful and also work to uplift people and also do it with humor and intelligence. And so uh, I'm just, and also just the way you do it, just like really connecting, like looking at the audience and really connecting and being very present. It's it's very inspiring. So um, thank you for for continuing to do the, the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's pretty much an open forum. It's completely uncensored. So I guess we can pretty much start anywhere. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot to talk about, certainly. Uh, Yeah, there's, I mean, I feel like there's always a lot to talk about. So um, I know like later on, we're going to be talking about the the Pride Run and the what's happening with Oakland Pride, um, but we can also just can talk we about... Start there? Yes, please, yeah. yeah yes, I mean, a, yeah. There's a lot of tea right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we know that we're living in a time of the return of the grandparents, you know, because I think that grandbabies, you know, children challenge their parents. It's kind of a natural thing as you're trying to find your footing. And grandchildren look at their grandparents with a different kind of understanding than they do when they're looking at their parents. It's like, wow, you're so old. <laughs> you know, it's like, you survived this, right? You know what I mean? Like, you survived this. And I think that before we get to the wisdom of the ancestors or the, the elders, 
we first have to get past the ignorance of the parents, hmm. right? Because I'm a parent and I can say that I'm still learning. I'm still growing in this parenting experience. My mother, who's a grandparent, said that she understood her role as a parent once she became a grandparent. It solidified. It crystallized. And so I think that there are a lot. Yes, baby? Maybe that's why uh, uh, when when we hang around our grandparents, we love them so much more than we do our actual parents. But they so much right? I mean, no diss to me as a parent. I'm just saying. But I know my mama holds court with my children. Oh yeah. My mama yeah. actually. Okay, I'm 50, and I reprimanded my baby girl for something when she was about I don't know four or five, and my mama met me at the door with a switch. Okay. Oh, <laughs> don't you don't you talk to my baby like that. You there's something about having gone through the process of multiple sevens. You know, like when you hit seven, you hit fourteen, you hit twenty one, you hit twenty eight. They're like these changes that occur. And so if you were blessed to hit sixty five or seventy, come on now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that we're going through Trump. And we're going through the aggression phase Hmm. because um, we have a lot of folks who are still trying to find their footing as adults. Hmm. We live in a country that's not giving people the kind of respect that we say you achieve when you become an adult. We're not giving people the tools that they need so that they can figure out what that looks like. I just spoke to a woman. I was driving up the street, and I saw this sister standing on the side of the road with a gas can. Um, and she had a sign that said, I just need gas. I just need gas. She was not saying, give me change and coming up with some kind of hijink around it. And you could see she had her car. She, the car didn't have gas. She needed gas. Mm -hmm. People just drove past her. I drove, came back around. Um, we got her some gas. And while I was, you know, while we were filling up her, her can, she was telling us about her life. And she was saying, you know, at 65, I never figured that this is what my life would look like. Mm. I'm homeless now. I, I rely on this car. This is where I live. And I had a good job. And I had a home. Yeah. And I lost all of that when folks who could afford more pushed up the property value. Mm. I lost all of that when they brought in younger people and made them my supervisor. <laughs> and they felt that I was no longer necessary. So, you know, there's a, there's a place that we have to get to where we understand that there's some elder wisdom that we need in this current struggle. And so as I look at all of these movements that are unfolding, what's exciting for me, um, BLM is one of these many movements that are unfolding with people starting to stand up and ask, why didn't my parents do this kind of work? Why do I have to do this again? Mm. I think that they're starting to realize oh, we need to go to grandma and grandpa. But in communities of color where health issues hit us the hardest, oftentimes we don't even have grandmothers and grandfathers anymore in the community. And many of them, like the sister that I just spoke of, are displaced. So one of the things that we have to be mindful of is the ways in which people are taking up space that doesn't actually serve us. You know, sometimes people think the bigger your house, the bigger your car, the bigger, that it's better. But actually, I believe that 
we're losing out on our ability to focus on what is necessary because the, we've got this broad sweeping view. So I'm trying to give people, if possible, with the Sun Run, which started last year, and it's in Oakland Pride, supported, not supported financially because the people support this, but Oakland Pride understood that this is something that we were doing last year and promoted it last year. Um, it's important that we gather outside in a safe space in the presence of each other in the daylight and honor our wellness and do it in a very focused way. It's important for us to be able to have time to say to each other, your wellness matters. Mine does too, whether we walk it, whether we run it, and have those conversations. You know, walk with someone that you don't know and start conversations about community. It doesn't have to be on the level of a major movement. It can be as simple as getting out and walking with neighbors, walking with community members. So that was the purpose of this run last year. And it was done with um, a focus more particularly on honoring the lives of LGBTQIA2S folks who, especially black trans women and black trans men, are experiencing a certain type of violence that the media tends to, for whatever reason, feel that doesn't have value. Like, yeah, you're right. It's like, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So um, the focus being on our community, the rainbow community of which I'm a part of, um, as a queer two-spirit womb man, W-O-M-B-N-A-N, I loved being out there with my community and being able to also have our allies present. Black Girls Run came out last year. You know, there were babies in the run last year. There was a little baby that walked around mostly, but ran quite a bit, got to the finish line, and just kept going. <laughs> I was like, baby, you're done. Like, no, 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 no. And, and they didn't stop him, so they went around another time. So they already ran their, two, their 10K. So, you know, this was, this was a celebration of community. It was a celebration of lovers of life, lovers of community. And I just couldn't imagine anyone wanting to appropriate that and use that as an opportunity to make money. God bless you. I think that was Samson who coughed. So um, that's what's happening right now. There's an attempt to... Christopher Columbusize the People Sun Run. Mm. We're going to have it happen this year because it's an annual run, just as we had planned last year. However, this year we have an interloper, we have a gentrifier, we have an appropriator. Natalie Huerta, who is the owner of the Queer Gym, which was previously called um, the Perfect Sidekick. Yes, who was a volunteer at last year's run, so she knew that it was happening, she knew that it's an annual, did not reach out to me to say, hey, how can I support you again this year? I came out as a volunteer, of course I know Natalie, so it would have been like, hey, Natalie, girl, yeah, come on, let's do this. Instead, Natalie paired up with David Helton, who is an editor, creator of Left Magazine. And Left also was supportive of the run last year, so supportive that they were like free promotional partners with us. Mm 
Hmm. So it's not as if David and Natalie didn't know that this run existed. David and Natalie took it upon themselves to seek a permit, God bless you, before... <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, cough up that, cough it out. Cough it, you know what it, it is? is? What is it? I think that it's just, um, like right now there's just a lot of um, pressure. You know, pressure, mm-hmm. pressure. And there's a tendency for us to make ourselves small. Uh-uh, cough, honey. I'll stop. <laughs> no. Cough, no, get it no, out. And then no, I'm coming no. over to your house later with some chicken soup. All right? Or some orange You know juice. I can't eat chickens. I can eat the, maybe the broth, but you know I don't eat chicken. Uh, orange juice. Orange juice. We'll get you vitamin C up. Well, I don't but, think um, I'm sick, but I think... Well, something it's just like a little burn sensation in the top of my chest. I don't know what it is. It might be. It could be that you that you um, had an interview in the wee hours this morning, and you've been on the phone. Mm. You know, um, interviewing is that's a that's energy. That's energy. I'm gonna make this really quick because I realize that I'm going off on a tangent right now. Um, okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna be No worries, no worries. So. Um, these were two individuals who were clearly aware of the fact that this was happening and did not reach out personally to me to offer any sort of support. Mm-hmm. Instead, they decided that they would just um, commandeer the run and approach Oakland Pride as if it was their idea. Um, one of the uh. board members, Amber Todd, who was intimately aware of the fact that I started this run, it was actually a thought that I had in 2013. I mentioned it to her in 2014. They threw their support behind me. Um, Amber Todd is the co-chair of the Oakland Pride Board. Mm -hmm. And um, we were moving along swimmingly. So Amber did point out to them that this was my idea, that they can't say that, you know, they've got this great run happening. It's the first Oakland Pride run, which is the way that they're promoting it. They chose, with so much insult to the community, run. They chose the same location. The exact same, same time yeah. and the exact same date as last year. Our run happened. And the marriage arm and a leg Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. So then there's that. Um, so there, there are a lot of things about the way that we should be communicating as a community mm-hmm. that we have to be mindful of. Like if the grandparents were here, they would say, child, please sit down. <laughs> you don't behave that way. Yeah. You know, you don't behave in community that way. You don't go over and see another child playing with a toy and say, I like that toy. I don't want to go over and ask that child, may I play with you? I'm just going to go take it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go take it because well, I want see, it. Well, I grew up at that, get that ass whooped on the playground. Okay. I'm just saying there's a way that the community responds as a community member yes. to these kinds of aggressions because this is actually an, an attack. Yes. I believe and, that, um, and I don't think that the word appropriator or gentrifier or um, imposter perhaps even are stretches. When you look at the evidence, like if you go to my Facebook page, um, I'm Ken Folks on Facebook. Ken, first name, Folks, last name with a Z. I have a photo album which tells the story. East Bay Express interviewed us last year. They acknowledged that it was an annual, that it happens the day before Pride, and that it happens at the Lake Merritt Amphitheater. 
we were interviewed by several people. We went on air. We were on KPFA. Um, you know, there. God bless you. There are lots of ways in which um, this was an attack, mm-hmm. primarily because they had so much awareness, mm-hmm. and the community has so much awareness. And to blatantly just decide, well, we want it, yes. so we're going to do it. And and rather also rather than saying, let me reach out to Ken yeah. personally. Not through Oakland Pride. Not through Oakland Pride. That was improper. If that's what they thought was the, the proper way to reach out as a community member, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. It wasn't Oakland Pride's run. It's the people's run. Right. And they knew that I was a representative. And, they, and Natalie has my number. So um, David, I'm so confused about David's role. And people have been asking me, is he a Pride board member, as, as it says on the Open Pride page? Um, and they have a 5K run page now associated with the Open Pride page. I think it's a <sighs> part of it. I thought that David was hired by Open Pride to manage their web page. Mm-hmm. So is he a paid consultant? Is he a pride board member? Is he both? Like, who is he? Mm-hmm. And who has he been? Not who is he right now, but was he paid and now he's a board member? Like, what, what's going on? So um, I want to first thank Amber Todd because Amber has been consistent in her support, in her love, and her honesty around what's happening. Mm-hmm. And she is not happy about this. The other board members, um, I can't, I can't say that the same sort of understanding of the integrity of this run and the lack of integrity that's being demonstrated by anyone who would seek to supplant the SERP or um, somehow um, steal the power away from it. I don't understand if they understand that that is wrong. Yes. But I do know they don't that understand. Yeah, I can't understand. I, I mean, I would think that the right thing for the board to do is to create some clarity around whatever contract they have with David or with Natalie being something that because David and Natalie were approaching this, having not had this discussion with me, knowing now that Natalie was there. I have, I have videotape of Natalie at my run last year. Hmm. I have videotape of her cheering. Yay! Woohoo! She helped lead <laughs> she helped lead the warm-up exercises. Yeah. You know, it's so much like oh and by the way, um, we've expanded and now we have a wellness expo, so it's not just a it's not just a run. We now have several organizations that have heard about this and are stepping up. We have, um, you know, like stepping up this whole notion of being in community mm-hmm. as people who are marginalized in the healthcare, um, at the health, uh, I'll say the medical industrial complex more mm-hmm. specifically, because I don't know that there's health and I don't know that there's much care for certain folks mm-hmm. in our community. So we have the, the AIDS project, um, the AIDS Project of the East Bay will be coming and bringing their mobile unit, so we will have free STD and HIV testing that day. We'll be at Snow Park and the amphitheater, and so over at the amphitheater, Cal Prep will also be bringing their mobile unit. That's what we're you know, discussing right now, and that would happen after the um, gentrified fun run, and I think they call it 
um, Run Girl. That's their hashtag, Run Girl. Hmm. So the community came up with a new hashtag that I've seen circulating. It's uh, hashtag Run Girl by Felicia. So after that run... I love it. And I would have right? girl by. Okay, <laughs> you said been... girl by. Hashtag yeah. appropriation. <laughs> appropriation by. People rise up. Yeah. So um, there are some people who have said that they will be walking. Some people will be um, running. Some people will be marching. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to tell people how to make that happen around the lake. We will be doing it peacefully and lovingly, but we'll be very, very clear in our intention of protecting mm-hmm. community standards. Yes. You know, like there's a, a way that we are so that we maintain the unity. Yes. So um, anyway, and- I have a list of demands. Yeah. They're really simple. The first one is, um, for the community, it's not a demand, it's a request. We're asking that community members sign up for our free run and walk, that they um, start asking the right questions. You know, like in terms of a permit, anyone can get a permit. We did not get our permit before Natalie secured hers, and that's because every week, as you've also pointed out, I fund the Oakland Queer and Trans Open Mic. Yeah. So I'm actively making certain that there are events on a weekly basis for our community, mm-hmm. not just the fun run. And in my wildest dreams, I never would have imagined that people who understood the power of last year's event would then say, well, this power should be mine. Mm. I, so I, mm. I, it never my wildest dreams would I have thought that someone who actually knows me, knows the work that we do as, as a community together, um, would even attempt to do something like that and not reach out in, in a well, loving, thoughtful manner. Well, I just don't understand anybody who would try to do anything like that just a kin folks, because kin folks is just like a mother and healer mm-hmm. and lover of this community and yes. has provided so many spaces for people who don't have families, who don't have support, who are, you know, low on their luck, you know, it's just really important that we recognize how important he is to the community. And to point out, you know, like, we need to take care of people who, because, I mean, what, what else are they doing throughout the year? So why, when it comes time to get, you know, a moment like something like Oakland Pride, all of a sudden, oh, we're doing such and such. It's great work that's not your idea at all. And now all of a sudden, it's a great idea. You pulled out your ass, which you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the definition of that is like, well, appropriation, I think, fits. You know? Um, and well, that's I think a nice that way of putting it. That's all it is. I, there are a lot of other words that people are using, and I'm. I'm using my, and I'm my really, big words. You know, getting, <laughs> and I'm really getting angry sitting here listening to it, but, you know. Well, you know, me. there are some folks that um, have been asking these questions on the Oakland Pride page, and they were summarily removed. Yep. Their comments, their questions were removed. Yep. And so, I saw that from my, on Facebook yesterday. <clears throat> so this is, this is the question. When you were rainbow warriors, when you're rainbow folks, LGBTQIA2S folks, living in a, in, a, in, in a nation that is still struggling with whether or not your love 
is legitimate. Whether or not they can legitimize across the board um, consensual decisions to make a commitment to each other, right? Because not everyone can get married everywhere still mm. in, this, in, in the U.S. Um, and so when we know that that is the truth, then we cannot afford to be divisive. We cannot afford to steal from each other. We cannot afford to create a, you know, a, a hierarchy, a replication of the kind of uh, misogyny or classism or racism or sizeism or colorism. You know, we can't afford to do that to each other. And I think that that is what's become very problematic um, in terms of the way that there's the commodification of our bodies. You know, like queerness even has been commodified. Hmm. So it's, it's entertaining to see us perform on stage, but we aren't paid as much. Sometimes we're not even headliners at our own freaking party. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, oh, don't so, get started on that. Hmm. No, start on that. Yeah, one. please. It's time for tea. I'm pouring the tea. Would you like some tea? <laughs> oh, I've got, I've been, I've got several pipes and hot pots, and we were actually having that discussion. Yes. This morning, I, was, I, was, I did a discussion this morning with NBC about black queer art. And, you know, I think that it's sad that a lot of pride, and I mean, and, and this affects the way our community uh, looks at its artists, because for one, like we as especially queer people of color, a lot of us, which is one one great thing about places like Oakland, also in Houston, um, those are two places that immediately come to mind for me, are the places where I found the most supportive, and in parts of D.C. too, um, most supportive uh, black queer people of color communities when it comes down to art, but overall as a community, we have a problem supporting, and I think the way that pride, which is, I mean, pride, pride is going on all throughout the year. So there is mm. no reason why any queer, like any queer artist, but like all these queer people of color events, there is no reason why any established queer artist should be without work. Like there's no, <sighs> because there are so many parties, there are so many events. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that go on, and they reach out to us to perform for free. That's if they reach out to us at all. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of us, now for 10, 15, 20 years, you got people like me, you got people like Kim for Life, you got people like um, Bryant and Chaos and Tim and West, and so many brilliant yeah. arts communities who, who either, if we're not creating our own work, sometimes we're not working. And yes. You know, but they will go before they reach out to us, and I thought that's what pride was about, celebrating our community, our political advancements, you know, who we are as people, our artists, our communities, and we don't do that. We were talking about that this morning. They will go, and excuse what I'm getting ready to say, but they will go and reach out to some coked-out disco diva from the 70s who hasn't had a hit since whenever, Mm. who isn't studio-ready you know, to come and dress inappropriate and all these other types of things and talk trash to the community, come out, sing two songs, and not even say to take pictures of what people are, talk to the community, any of those things. Meanwhile, you have some of them in 
the business. Like we're in the industry. Like we have some influence in the industry, and we're having a lot of uh, battles to create open doors for queer artists in Hollywood and in entertainment. We don't even get looked at. I think that that's ridiculous, and they do that. That's well. That's my personal issue with a lot of uh, pride. Um, I'm still a little salty with Oakland Pride about that, but but we're gonna deal with that. Uh, but I just really do think that it's it's a problem. Like it really is an issue of how we're valued, and I think it's because even with the board members of some of these organizations, some of these party promoters, I have to give a shout out to Jill Hawkins though. Yes. He has always been supportive of, of queer artists. Like, it doesn't matter whether people have heard of you or not, how long you've been doing whatever, he will call you and he will get you in that club and he will pay you nicely. And, true. and you don't see too many club promoters who do things like that. He's been, we don't get to, and I love him to death, we don't get to talk as much as I would like. But that is my eighth boom, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Or, you know, promoters and, 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 and organizers would do that. But I think, and I was talking to Mona Webb about this, you know, um, we get looked at so much as people uh, on such a low, with such a low value that whenever we, because a lot of us have internalized issues with looking in the mirror and accepting ourselves, when you see somebody else even, whether it's an artist or whatever, even if it's another queer person on the street, and this is one reason why some of us aren't so nice to each other, mm. you look at them with the same value that you value yourself, which sometimes is none. And that's why we won't, you know, pay to see a queer artist. Mm. That's why sometimes we won't even hello to each other on the street. Like, it's a real issue. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. You know, and I think that, and giving all praise once again to folks like Joe, um, I call him my wonder twin, and I just love him. I love him. We sat on the Oakland Pride board together. I was the entertainment chair for Oakland Pride um, three years, four, can't remember. The, the entire time, though, um, Joe and I had conversations about things like this, you know, and um, so when he resigned, I resigned pretty much a few months after that. Um, because the energy that we both brought to it was the energy of the community, and we realized that we could still continue to do that without necessarily having to be in that position to do it. And if anything, it freed us up more so to be able to do the types of things that we do. Um, prides, and you're absolutely right, prides across the, the world, really, are starting to be asked the harder questions mm. like who are you actually representing what what is what are we proud of what are we celebrating yes you know are we celebrating our ability to um, recreate the kind of wealth oppression mm -hmm. that exists outside of um, you know I mean definitely in terms of the conversations we have we know that there is a queer media industrial complex we know that, you know, prides by and large are led by white gay men. And so the representation of the fullness of our community should be a priority. If anything, yes. the people who are represented, who are marginalized the most within our, prior, our community 
should be the first to get fed. Yes. They should be the first mm -hmm. at the table. Yes. Because as LGBTQ, uh, I, S, uh, sorry, LGBT, LGBTQIA2 as folks, we constantly look at the way in which heterosexual folks are limited in their understanding of the various ways that love can actually um, benefit hmm. all of us, right? So we, we feel that we have these multiple perspectives based on our marginalized reality. So wouldn't it make sense that people who are within the margins of those margins have even more to offer? Yeah. So I think that folks know that, for example, black LGBTQIA2S folks have a lot to offer. The question is, when are we going to start being valued? When are people going to start standing up and saying, we take your ideas, we take your energy, we take your genius, and we sell it to the highest bidder, and we actually don't represent the truth, mm -hmm. which is that you should be fed first. Yes. So um, I, I think it's interesting to look at main stage folks in pride celebrations and look at who gets to host and how much people get paid to do that work. Yeah. How many of the artists are performing for free? Yes, and that you also... You know, and what is their draw? You yeah. know, there's this assumption that if you're in, in that space that you should be happy that you have so many tens of thousands of people accessing you, when indeed each stage in a Pride celebration is, you know, a portion of that crowd. And people are doing a lot of other things. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think that there are challenges for artists when they're in that venue, too. Just in terms of getting attention. Yes. Being seen isn't necessarily the same as having people remember and start to follow you right. as an artist. Right. <clears throat> right. And that also goes back to the idea with the, the, the Pride one before is how it, like the way... It was done last year and this year is that you were setting it up so it could be free for for all who wanted to attend and the folks who wanted to make a new one decided to charge people and so on top of taking the idea they're also they end up charging for it which is against the whole i think principle of it well the first year we had to charge something it was a by donation basis we had to charge for you know the bling mm -hmm. So you get a medal, you had, there were backpacks, there were, you know, t-shirts for some folks. So we did the first year because we literally couldn't afford it otherwise. Oh, okay. We couldn't give people medals. Sure. But what we did is we, over the year, took the money that we were starting to get in terms of, um, you know, like I take it from my own pocket. I don't, I go to various um, faith institutions, entities, um, communities, and I spend time in those communities being very um, reciprocal, I suppose, in terms of just being present for the word. I don't belong to any one faith community, though, in the sense that I don't tie mm -hmm. to any one church or temple or synagogue or, you know, um, retreat center. Instead, I take all of that money and I put it in my little allowance for the community. Mm -hmm. And so I use that to pay for the weekly, and I also use it for the fun run. Mm -hmm. So I was blessed that 
there was an anonymous donor who met my amount that I had saved. Mm. Like, that's what they said to me. I see you saving. I see you saving for this run. If you raise a certain amount, tell me what it is, and I will match it. Mm. And that's why mm. I can offer it for free this year. Oh, okay. We don't have big sponsors. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I think that that's another part of what happens. We're not in those rooms where someone says, hey, I've got this idea. And all of a sudden, they're getting funded for our idea. Like, I don't even know if Oaklandish realizes that these T-shirts that they're making that say first annual Oakland Pride, blah, 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 is built upon this notion of keeping me and the other community members who were black, queer women and, um, you know, out of that space, out of that conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Oaklandish was even aware of the fact that our run took place. And I think that the community is now sending them images from the East Bay Express mm -hmm. and, you know, letting them take a look at screenshots from the Oakland Pride page last year yes. so that they understand that just because people kept us out of the room but brought our idea into the room doesn't make it right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that somebody somewhere along the line needs to step up and make it right. Yes. So what we're seeking right now are any any sponsors that want to come on board and take part in what people are now starting to call the People's Run. <laughs> There's a group that's calling it the Solidarity Run. Mm. And I invite Natalie and David to cancel the run. Yes. That they, this, you know... Um, secondary thought run and instead give the permit to the people give it back to us yes so that we can have this run when we had always intended to have the run and simply because we didn't have the money to you know get the permit before they ran and got it because we weren't in the room having a conversation with um oakland pride and i guess oaklandish or whoever else they've now looped into this this story this recreation of um, this revisionist history mm. around this run having never existed. I don't know that those, those folks um, understood the depths to which Natalie and David were creating this other story, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So I don't want to say that I actually knew that they knew, because I don't. But I do know that David and Natalie were aware of the run. So I would like them to rescind, cancel, let go of their permit so that we can assume the permit. Parks and Recreation is ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, they're aware of the fact that this is going on, and they said that if Natalie and David release the permit, they will then give the permit to us because they know that that's the time slot, the location, the yes. date that we actually wanted. Um, the other thing that I'm requesting is that any of the money that people have spent um, getting the $25 entry t-shirt and fee registration for the Natalie and David's run, that they are given the option by Natalie and David to have that money refunded directly to them, or they have the option of giving either all or a portion of it to a nonprofit that serves the black LGBTQIA community. And I have a list, a growing list of organizations like that, because this is really an attack on black queer genius. 
That's actually what this is, that when we come up with ideas and we actualize it, it's not just like, it, oh, it was an idea and we sat around and talked about it. We actually did it. It mm -hmm. came to fruition. Yes. It happened. It had national publicity. Yes. And so for someone to pretend as if we don't matter, that our genius meant nothing, that essentially we were like Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben, you put our face front and forward like I've looked at the website and there's this image of these black women who are running and it's not even their race this is like stock photography Ugh. and so I've got real pictures of real people you know who actually participated and mm -hmm. did so lovingly mm -hmm. including Natalie mm -hmm. um, I thought at the time and so I'm, I'm really hoping that Natalie has a change of heart and enters into a mediated conversation I reached out her sister contacted me, and I received a promise from her sister that Natalie herself would call me because I felt that Natalie and I need to have this conversation. Yes. That was almost two weeks ago now. It's been about a week and four or five days. So, and, and I was told that it would happen immediately. And I said, yes, I would like to call like within a day mm -hmm. because we really need to move forward on a mediation. And there wasn't any interest in a mediation. I think, if anything, they were moving toward a cease and desist to get me to shut up. <sighs> Just like, you know, people are being banned from the page. Yes, yeah. And so people need to be aware of the way in which we lose our basic liberties mm -hmm. every day when we decide that it's okay for something like this to go past unspoken. Yes. Um, you know? Um, glossed over yes and there are enough folks like samson like myself who have experienced this far too often for us to be silent about it yes mm -hmm. you know and so um like right now i have a meeting that i have to rush off to so that we can look at the logistics mm -hmm. because we are planning our run we will be running the lake it's not the first time that there have been two races that were running concurrently so we will make sure that there is a buffer in terms of when our runners go out versus when their runners go out. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't even be like this. Right, it shouldn't right. shouldn't be two runs. Absolutely. There was one run last year. Yes. Respect should have been given to that run. Natalie should have reached out and called me before thinking about getting a permit to yes. recreate or to um, um, revise history mm -hmm. and place herself at the center and to place her her gym at the center, and then to work with David, who is either on the board or paid by the Oakland Pride Board, still unsure. Maybe Daisy D and some other folks who, you know, um, are really good at, like, getting in and doing some investigative reporting um, can ask some of those hard questions without being banned, like the community members have Yes, been. yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we're asking. So I, we would like everyone to come on out the website for free tickets and we do give away bling this year thanks to the 50 percent donation from this anonymous donor needing what i literally have been saving up over the past year so that we could do this freely we will be able to give away um medals oh. and we're upping the ante with the medals they're going to be spinners this year so we're giving those away the other thing that's happened I need to mention is that Aaron Ford Timing will be taking care of all of the digital bits and will be giving us 
this big um, finish line. So this year we're going to have um, the kind of race that that I think the community deserves, that the community definitely should have. And they had it last year in terms of the love, but we didn't have a big finish line arch. This year we have a, we have a big finish line. And that was once again a donation made by a sponsor who also does the timing for San Francisco Pride's Run. So he's come over and he's helping with logistics and just been, he's been phenomenal. That's Aaron Ford timing. And also um, Sports Basement. Sports Basement, who was a sponsor last year and gave us these goodie bags. They're upping the ante this year. They're going to throw a party for us, for the community. So we'll be able to, oh. isn't that lovely? And they know all about That's this through haha. They, they don't like that this has happened in terms of, you know, someone from the community rather than coming directly to me and saying, hey, how can I support what's happening? Became very divisive and thought about just what they could attain and then tried to create this revisionist history. Yes. So um, they, they're going to use their database. They realize that Oakland Pride and Oaklandish have a huge database, and they've been sending out these, you know, um, promotions for this other run so we have other folks who are stepping up who are saying we want to promote your run because you are the second annual you are the people's run Mm -hmm. you and the committee of like there's so many people who are involved in this it's not just me yeah and i'm trying to get everyone's face and we're going to put them up on the website so that everyone can see that it's a it's a diverse group of people that produce this yes it's not just me yes I just try to save up the money every year to make these things happen. And I welcome other people to join us. If you have the resource, even if it's $25 and you would like to donate it to make sure that, you know, we can get the word out to more people. If you have resource in terms of a database, let us know. Um, Send it out to everyone that that you can. Mm -hmm. The site because I think it's important for people to have that. And thank you for your time. Um, thank you. Thank you for this. This site, I want to make sure that I have the right one. Yeah. That they should go to so that they can sign up for their free space in the Wellness Expo. Mm-hmm. And we won't have any vending. People will just be um, skill sharing. Okay. So this is really be about giving to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oakland Pride Fun Run dot com. Okay. And that's for free tickets. Great. And I know there's also a link through uh, SpectrumQueerMedia dot com as well. Yes, exactly. So Oakland Pride Fun Run dot dot com, and we use Oakland Pride because it is our pride. And um, the Oakland Pride Board doesn't own the words Oakland and Pride, and they're very transparent about that. They don't want to own that. Mm -hmm. They produce a festival and a parade that takes up a lot of their time and energy. And so um, Amber Todd in particular has been really supportive in saying, we're happy that you have Revolve. We're happy that you have this run. So I think that the community now needs to create clarity with them also that just because Natalie and David we're able to be in a space and create this contract that doesn't mean that that's the same as a community contract Mm -hmm. you can permit certain things you can't actually permit someone 
integrity. Like that's not something you can just give to someone. Someone has to come with their own integrity. Mm-hmm. And that's what the community contract is all about. Yes. So <clears throat> what will happen will happen. I've heard that there's a group that's going to start a change.org page, mm-hmm. and they have a petition to have Natalie and David um, you know, really take a look at these actions and understand that we welcome them to rejoin the community. Because at this point, they're working outside of the community. You know, they're working with their own thought about like how they can promote Left Magazine and the gym. And they're saying that they have, they're going to give the money to nonprofits, but they haven't identified any. Mm. We have a whole list. Yeah. And yeah. many of the nonprofits that we're going to be sharing any donations with, like in terms of donations, we're not asking people to give the donations directly to us for those nonprofits. We're telling people to give the donations directly to the nonprofit. Got it. So we have the links for A Safe Place and for Missy. Mm-hmm. Those are two nonprofits. Um, Just Cause is another nonprofit. There are so many places where the money can be directly given to folks. You don't have to give me the money through a T-shirt and then the community yeah. that they, they get $5 out of a $25 T-shirt. We don't need to go through any yeah, of that. that sounds... We're not asking people to do that. Yeah. We're using this as a platform for those agencies to be present. Right. And then anyone who wants to donate to them has to donate online. Mm-hmm. That's the only edict, that there won't be any sort of exchange uh, or transaction mm-hmm. on site that day. If you want to make a donation, make it online. Yes. You know? So they can, people can go to the website, thespectrumcareermedia.com, and they'll see where they can make their donations directly. If people want to help us with the run and any of the expenses associated with it, there's a donation button on the Eventbrite page. Um, but, you know, we're not, at this point, I feel that there should be enough people stepping forward to sponsor. Yes. There are enough businesses in the Bay Area that, you know, we're not asking people to come in at a thousand or two thousand, we're taking fifty dollars for sponsorship. If people have fifty and you want to be a part of this, you know this is a this is a community's run. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you. You've been awesome. It's been the Ken Hour. Oh, <laughs> well, it's yes, a... I love it. Yeah. Oh, you're so sweet. It's been a time of truth telling, and we need that. I think that's very oh, important. Absolutely, we need the we need the truth, and we need yeah, to. Yeah, and I have so much love for Natalie and for David because I know that it must be scary for them. I'm scared. We're living in the age of Trump. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Um, and so there's a tendency for us to like in our anxiety do some things that are self-defeating yes yes and this is one of those things so i feel for them and i i have a solution for them mm-hmm. number one give us the permit yep number two join us yep join us become a sponsor yeah you know set up the table lead some exercises do what you did last year basically exactly so um and I'm looking forward to that mediated call after those first two things happen mm-hmm. from Natalie. Yes. All right? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm rushing off late to this meeting. And, um, Samson, I'm sure you'll pick up from where I left off. And um, I'm well, looking forward to it. Yes. Another meeting after this, so today is a day of meeting. So. Yeah. I, I know. Well, well thank it's you. It's exciting, though. 
Yeah, thank and, you. And also I wanted to thank Samson very quickly because Samson is going to be um, hosting one of the stages during this fun run and wellness expo. Oh, wonderful. I want to thank Mario Benton. Mario Benton is going to recreate his longest runway with a focus on fashion that um, looks at wellness, self-care. Like, I'm excited about that. Like, what's that going to look like? So, you know, more than just athletic wear, mm-hmm. but like how do you live in 2016 in a reality where, you know, you have to wrap your nose and your mouth to participate in a peaceful rally, mm. you know? Mm. Um, right? So, and DJ R- Lady Ryan, for, yes, yes, the DJ Lady Ryan will be spinning for us um, as part of the Wellness Expo. And we have various safe communities that have already said we will be present. It's important for us to do that. People can form their own walking teams. So I just wanted to thank those folks and there are other people. I don't have a list with me now, but I definitely will make certain that um, you know I, I let the community know about their presence. Hmm. So thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for, for speaking with us and we hope to have you both of you on again uh, soon. Certainly. Yeah. I, I want to have you on. I want. I want to make sure you host again for the open mic. Oh sure, I'd love okay. to. Thank you so much for your generosity, Roman. Thank you for being here. Thank you for creating a space for folks who, um, you know, are being banned from speaking the truth. Um, yeah. You know, who are being denied their voice in a country that we said is supposed to be an example for other countries who are yep. looking for liberty, yeah. justice, freedom, democracy. Yes. So thank you for actually being that. I love you. Sure, love you too. I love you, Samson. I'll bring you some orange juice after my meeting. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Okay. All right. All right. Take right. love. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, well, thank you very much to Ken Folks and Samson McCormick for calling in. There's a lot to think about, certainly. So if you'd like to support the Fun Run, there's many ways. And we'll also be linking to the uh, different organizations that Ken mentioned that you can support directly. One of them is Missy, and that's M-I-S-S-E-Y. Um, and uh, I met someone from that organization a while ago, and they specifically, I believe, work with um, preventing trafficking um, which happens in the Bay Area, it happens around the world. So um, when I have more information on that, I will post that both to the weekly review page as well as announcing it here on the radio program so folks will know um, how to uh, donate directly. You can also check out spectrumqueermedia.com. There is a link to the fun run there where you can, um, as Ken mentioned, uh, sign up for the run as well as donate. Um, so even if you can't attend, you can also donate that way and also to spread the word. And there has been a lot of this on the the, the Oakland Pride page. Uh, many of us were commenting on the post about their, the other run and these comments were deleted and something similar had happened on the there's a gay housing page on Facebook, and the moderators were participating in some behavior that was definitely deemed uh, white supremacist acting, where folks were posting, prioritizing housing for POC, and for some reason the moderators found that to be problematic, and they started deleting all of these posts and then banning people who were posting this, and as well as commenting and uh, people who are just calling them out on and asking why is this happening, and the moderators started blocking people from the site. And it sounds like there's very similar behavior happening with the Oakland Pride uh, with this page too, where the 
the moderators are not even listening to people who are calling them out on what's a, what's a real problem, which is the fact that they have uh, ignored that this previous run uh, was already in existence and did not want to work with, with kin folks and the organizers on that. Oh, so it, this is just a pattern that happens a lot, and especially within the LGBTQ community, there's a lot of infighting and uh, just the systems of hierarchy and power that are still present as we discussed today. So, and even here in the Bay Area, it's very, very present. And so it's just, it's important for us to, to call that out and to step up. Um, also, huge thank you to Samson McCormick. We hope to have him on the show again. Samson's wonderful. And if you would like to check out more of Samson's work, you can check out samsoncomedy.com. And that's S-A-M-P-S-O-N-C-O-M-E-D-Y.com. Um, if you get the chance to see Samson perform, he's incredible. And also do check out A Tough Act to Follow, a documentary that uh, follows Samson with his uh, performing and has some interviews and just it's really inspiring for folks I think who are performers and are not performers and just uh, it's uh, really worth checking out and that again will be in Toronto uh, August 13th so that's tomorrow so again you can check out samsoncomedy.com as well as spectrumqueermedia.com you're listening to the weekly review here on Mutiny Radio I'm your host Roman we'll be playing some music and then the second half of the show will be some news stories of things happening around the world so stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Now five minutes to grab the land, land on the flap of my abs, and maybe arcifying, take down the spark, it's getting dark. I think I'm turning congolese, I think I'm turning congolese. Stop! Breathe! Ooh! Suck it! Ah! Wadding up the tissue in a bucket along with my issues around missing you. I'm mishandling a candle in my ass will make it faster, but I want to make it last. I count backwards with the whips around. Stack the stack of mags. That's an after who a flagging and sagging and tank. Makes for great wank and you can take that to the bank. Bacon crank a smoking dank. I like the former, leave the warmer, and there's no one left to thank. It's just me, one, and I. And this tear in my eye. Sometimes some butter and no other is the thing that I try. So why? Ask why? I've seen them laugh and seen them cry. Always, always on demand. There's no need to lie. Left hand, right hand, push my right hand, left hand, push my right hand, push my right hand, push my right hand, left hand, push my right 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 hand
Right now, let me see what we got. Some hot corn and popcorn with some Christian born. Genie Pepper and some FF. Bradley wanted Bradley. Ain't as cool I can reference him. The fantasy warm, but Bobby Blake. Him up in the corner in the third person turn. Stop to give me his bird and a squirm. Cause I've been waiting my turn. I turn the roller dexes in my head to the place where Angel Kelly rubs my belly and she sits on my face. And I'm tasting the funk from the spunk in my eye. And then the spot I feel the knot in the back of my thigh. It's almost time I'm climbing, barely riding the ride. It's getting tired. My chest. I'm short of breath, I might be nine in the rest And I guess there's no one home, so they won't even moan I yell, I scream, I spell your name, I write this poem So it's all for you, it's all the same It's part of the game, if you're ready, I'm willing Take a chance, baby, say it's good as we feel it My left hand with my left hand, right hand with my right hand Left hand with my left hand, right hand with my right hand Left hand with my right hand, left hand Welcome back to the Weekly Review. Uh, that was Juba Kalamka with Ambi, right hand. And we actually opened up the show with a band called Deep Dick Collective that Juba was in. And that song was called Soldiers. Welcome back to the Weekly Review. We've got some stories happening for you. There's always news <laughs> happening in the world. A lot of it gets reported, some of it accurately. There's... Ugh. All right, I'm going to go right into it. So not a huge fan of the Olympics. A lot of folks aren't. There's a whole a lot of... Uh, ugh. One could start off by saying that it's been pretty terrible for Rio, and I think there are up like 4,000 people who have lost their homes due to the Olympics being, uh, being held there, and which happens a lot of the time when there are major sports events happening in a city. Folks come in. Uh, people who already live there are kind of pushed out. And then after the Olympics are over... Um, the people who, are, who already live there are kind of left to clean it up and left to deal with um, what is, it's like a kind of like a monster coming in. And for all the money and energy and time that's spent on the Olympics, it could also be spent to, to help people. So it's interesting to, to think about it from that perspective. And there's been a lot of articles going around with just how there's not a lot of attention being paid to that. And also on on top of that what happens actually at the olympics where there's like misbehavior and uh just people uh it's i feel happy for like there there's certain athletes where i feel like very happy for them that they're doing a lot of great things and then also recognizing how people respond to it or being disrespectful of them is just very um problematic so first of all so it's like where to even start like the chicken or the egg like the the shitty things that have happened at the Olympics or the other things that have happened outside that we don't really talk about. So I'm going to start off with like the outside and this is a video um, happening, this video happening, it already happened, but this is talking about there've been massive protests in Brazil and a lot of that's, well, I wonder why they wouldn't be televised, um, obviously. And there's been a lot of uh, police brutality in Brazil is pretty, in, 
extensive. I, um, I believe like eight, over 8,000 people have been murdered by police in the past 10 years. So I'm going to be playing a video, and I believe some of it's their subtitles. So I will read what it says if it doesn't come through. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm going to... This will, will speak for itself, but I wanted to start off with talking about how when Olympic Games happen somewhere, how it affects the, their communities. So this video, it's posted on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash weeklyrev, and this was posted by Fusion, so you can check it out there. And uh, it starts off with, uh, there is not going to be a torch. And on the show a couple weeks ago, we uh, played uh, a video or read a story about how there are many attempts and some successful attempts to extinguish the Olympic torch, which was being passed around. So they're saying, there's not going to be a torch. There is not going to be a torch. Anti-Olympic protests are already growing in Rio de Janeiro. And this was, of course, from a few days ago. Uh, 63% of Brazilians believe the games are a disaster for locals. Police brutality is widespread in Rio. Officers have killed more than 8,000 people since 2006. And this May saw a 135% increase in police killings since last year. To tell the truth, the Brazilian government... Oops. Sorry, it's going a little bit fast, and unfortunately I do not speak Portuguese, so I cannot uh, translate. All right. Uh, so I'm going to just go back here. To tell the truth, the Brazilian government gives carte blanche to the police to do whatever they want, and they are very well trained. They know that here in the city, they have to use rubber bullets. But in the favela, they use the rifle. They use real bullets. Brazil is also facing its worst recession in decades. The government takes money from health, education, and social programs to guarantee the Olympics. But 30 days from now, the big buildings and venues built will be useless. The Olympics are reshaping the city at the expense of local residents. For me, the Olympics have been awful. They destroyed my life, my dream. I had my own house, and I won't have it anymore. So for me, it was very bad. More than 4,000 families have been evicted because of the construction. That's not even half of Rio's problems. Extremely toxic waters, poor conditions for athletes, security concerns, congested roads. And they show a tweet. Uh, won't be watching Rio 2016 coverage to protest the shameful environmental and humanitarian conditions. Two days till the Rio Olympics. This is going to be interesting. Crime, protest, crippling economic and polluted water. Security is a must. <sighs> So again, you can see that full video on Fusion and as well as the facebook.com slash weeklyrev page. Uh, just really important because this is 
it happens everywhere and we we ha- we saw it happen here with the Super Bowl here in January how the kind of Super Bowl came in even though it's not held in San Francisco proper many of the residents didn't even want it here and as a result um businesses did not do well and more importantly uh, homeless folks were kind of swept away and they kind of used it as a reason to uh, just criminalize homeless folks even more than they already do and try to quote-unquote clean up the city, which is a disgusting way of, of putting it, and uh, to criminalize the poor more than already happens in this city, um, all to look, quote, you know, look good for the cameras because this major event is happening where the city doesn't even, the city didn't even and I feel like at this point, it's like it doesn't even matter if money is coming in because the, it, everything should be take. You should be taking the money. There is money in the city, and it's not used to take care of the people who are here. So, just seeing this pattern like constantly, you know, and it's this happens all the time, and it happens with a lot of major sporting events. And I feel like it's just very. It's a an example of capitalism. It's an example of of wealth and privilege and putting this like energy into like one certain space and one certain event um that's good for a few and distracting and not saying that oh everyone hates it sure some people benefit from it but in the larger scale um the the downside of it is far i think outweighs the positive things that uh these sporting events can bring moving along to that so that was like one layer of why I'm not a fan of the Olympics. Uh, this other part is going to be, um, ugh. So a lot of folks have heard about this, and that's kind of what happens. I guess stories get around, and uh, uh, I'll just go right into it. So this is a reaction to there was a reporter called I don't even know if he should be he should be called a reporter who kind of went in and outed um, some athletes um, who were participating at the Olympics, many of whom. Um, are from countries where they have homophobic laws on the books. So essentially putting them, you know, in their lives in danger. And this was, of course, a self-identified straight guy, but we'll see about that. Anyway, um, and then afterwards he was like, oh, sorry. Uh, and it just is really a problematic thing to do um, to put people's lives in danger like that and to kind of treat it like a spectator sport. So this was an article I, I read that I really enjoyed and I felt it was really on point because it talks about how this kind of straight uh, hetero view of gay culture um, just keeps on, like no matter what happens, it's like it keeps on making it worse and worse and making it more and more dangerous for people. And it is like unrelenting and it really comments on that. So I was going to share this with folks. And this came out in the International Business Times and it was written by The Guy Liner. And this came out on August 11th. Grinder is not a gay sex peep show for straight people. If our dating rituals are so are weird to you, it's because you denied us the luxury of normality in public for so long. A journalist for the Daily Beast has written what pretends not to be an expose on the huge amount of athletes in the Olympic Village in Rio using dating and hookup apps. However, because straight people are, by default, normal and nothing interesting ever happened in a Tinder conversation about box sets, the focus of the piece, the focus of the piece is on Grinder, the most popular hookup app for gay men. As any LGBT person will tell you, the so-called safe spaces we exist in, such as gay bars or clubs, pride events, and dating apps, can be a contradiction in terms. Issues and infighting within the community, as we just discussed, which plays out in these spaces with alarmingly, with alarming regularity, increasingly unpleasant each time, makes them safe for only a small chosen few. 
So it is even more wearisome, heartbreaking almost, when a straight person enters the fray, whether we like it or not. Temporarily distracting from our own woes, it may be, but hold up, this guy's got a lit rag and accelerant. He's not here to help. This mysterious and glamorous world of hedonistic gay sex, where we're having it whenever we want, all at the mere swipe of our finger, holds such a lure that, occasionally, straight people can resist no more. Into our so-called safe spaces, they barge uninvited, brandishing their cop badge of heterosexual authenticity and swishing their cloak of straight privilege like Corella DeVille showed off her furs. Gay bars, LGBT pride, clubs, and now apps, nowhere is off limits. They're the brazen pic- picnickers who step over the chain fence and ignore the keep off the grass sign because that's where they want to sit and who needs rules anyway? In the Daily Beast piece, uh, acts that are perfectly standard in the arena of gay sex, being direct, being available at any time during the day, exchanging photos, sharing stats and desires, are held up to the magnifying glass like curios at an antique fair. Dangerously, the piece talks about some of the guys in great detail, despite the fact they're probably closeted, and, in some cases, from countries where LGBT people are killed for their sexual orientation. There's no suggestion it's wrong, as the homophobia here is stealth. It is a vapor. But it's all presented as slightly odd, weird, mildly titillating, and dripping with bemusement. So, we start to question ourselves we begin to feel ashamed and embarrassed. This is the thing with the way some straight people treat gay sex and our methods of acquiring it. They don't understand that they, in fact, created this environment. If straight people didn't clutch their pearls and cover their infants' innocent eyes every time a gay person reminded them they had sex too, there'd be no need for us to hide on apps. We are direct on apps because we spent such a long time not being able to ask for what we wanted. We use apps and hookup sites because we were tired of approaching the wrong sort of guy, of being threatened for showing affection in public spaces, or trying to pick up someone in a gay club who is just there for the music. We need to know our audience is a receptive one. We do it during the day because it's available then. We have a freedom we never had before, and and we are reveling in it. You give it the cutesy name of afternoon delight when straight people do it, but for us, there's the suggestion it's dirty and shameful and perverted. If our courting rituals are unconventional or weird to you, it's because you denied us the luxury of normality, of being able to be ourselves in public for years. That's why we can only breathe freely in our increasingly cramped safe spaces, in dark corners. You pushed us there, told us there is no room in your world. You won't educate yourselves or your children about gay sex, so we're forever doomed to be the most depressing exhibit at your freak show, chained to you and your dim prejudices for all eternity. If you want to know why Grindr exists and why gay sex seems so shady and furtive and why we get defensive when you question it, don't fire up your smartphone, log on to Grindr, and lead us a merry dance to get your answers. Just walk calmly and slowly to your nearest mirror and take a good long look. We couldn't have done it without you. So I thought that was really on point, really, really on point. 
Um, furthering the discussion, and many folks have been talking about this online quite a bit, and I'm sure offline <laughs> as well, um, there's this idea of like outing people, and I think most folks are of the opinion that it's not okay. I'm of a more radical opinion when I think it's okay if you are an anti-gay um, politician and you create laws that are designed specifically to hurt the LGBTQ community. I do feel in those situations that folks should be outed. And someone else commented, yes, and also anti-gay religious leaders. I feel like if you're preaching um, hate to folks about, uh, and you're like, and you yourself are engaging in that, um, then you should be outed. And that's for the the anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, and people are dying, and we'll be getting the stories about that later on in the show and uh, to be passing laws I feel like in this country that are specifically targeting queer folks if you yourself are, are gay then I do believe that that privacy should not be um, I, I feel like if you're in a, if you're an elected official if you're in a position of power I should say if you're in a position of power and you are making it hard for other queer folks to live then um, I do feel that um, I don't see any moral qualms about people being outed personally so this is a, an article that kind of came out along those lines afterwards as well. And this was on RT. Uh, Daily Beast outs gay Olympians, but not gay Republicans at RNC. And this came out on uh, August 11th and was published on August 12th. Whew. All right. Outrage was boiling online after the Daily Beast's choice to publish a voyeuristic piece detailing the sex lives of Olympic athletes. Why focus on gay athletes rather than, say, a spike in demand for gay escorts at the Republican National Convention? The Daily Beast article titled The Other Olympic Sport in Rio, Swiping, was found by many to be, at best, in poor taste, and at worst, homophobic and potentially dangerous. To summarize it, a straight man was sent to Rio to see how many Olympians use dating and hookup apps. However, he focused most of his attention on Grindr, a hookup app targeted to gay men. No prizes for guessing that Grindr proved more of an instant hookup success than Bumble or Tinder, author Nico Haynes wrote in a questionable sentence. Given that Grindr was never intended to be a dating service, Haynes' multiple critics took this sentence to cast shame on the sex lives of gay men. In its original form, the article was published using the pictures of the athletes, one of whom hails from a country where homosexuality is a crime. For athletes such as him, leaving their country gave them the opportunity to express their sexuality in a way many heterosexual individuals, such as the author of the Daily Beast article, may take for granted. Pictures have since been removed from the piece, but nothing on the internet is ever truly gone for good. This leaves a number of lingering questions, such as, why would anyone think this was a good idea? And someone named uh, Beck Shaw tweeted, Let's just do a fun piece where we give identifiers of queer athletes from homophobic countries wanting to go about their business in peace. And then uh, this person photoshopped the uh, article. So now it's called, I put the lives of queer men in danger for this shitty article. Uh, one athlete poses in his full Canadian team kilt. Others posed their Olympic bedspreads as their profile pictures. They're ready to have their private and safe space invaded by this idiot who hasn't considered the consequences. And then Beck Shaw says, I fix this. Uh, Zach Wall says, in case you're wondering what straight privilege looks like, this is a world-class example. And then there's an out gay Olympic swimmer who uh, named Amini Fanua, who's openly gay and represents Tonga. 
and uh, he has commented on this. And he wrote a piece uh, that I'm bringing up at the moment that I will uh, get to. And Glenn Greenwald, who we talk about in this program quite a bit, says, it's still trashy, sleazy, and arguably homophobic. So the out gay uh, Tongan swimmer says uh, to Daily Beast, you just put my Olympic friends' lives at risk. (sighs) Moving along with the article, given the prevalence of cell phones and the proliferation of dating and hookup apps, it's safe to assume that any large event in the U.S. will increase use of these apps. It's not even necessary to assume Tinder reported a 300% increase of usage in the Indio and Palm Springs areas during the first weekend of Coachella. This begs the question, why is this necessary? It seems odd that the Daily Beast dedicated a piece to see how dating and hookup apps were being used in Rio by athletes, as editor-in-chief John Avion wrote in response to the backlash, while they did not apply that same logic to an event in the U.S., such as the Republican National Convention, where no one will be put to death because of their sexuality. The Daily Beast coverage of the convention was standard for the left-leaning news source, although I've heard that they're actually not, and the editor uh, is married to a Republican, and so I've heard they're not really left-leaning. Anyway, that aside, they covered Cleveland's hospitals preparing for the bouts of violence that never materialized, and comedian John Oliver's coverage of the RNC, as well as multiple articles about Trump's influence over the convention. Meanwhile... There were reports of gigolos earning 800 gigolos, that's a cool word to use, uh, earning $800 a day during the convention by having rendezvous with men from conservative states, men of more influence than a 22-year-old runner from a distant country. The Republicans have a lot of delegates in the closet, let's put it that way, one escort told the New York Post. Escorts describe their RNC clients as married and aged between 40 and 50, while Craigslist teamed with ads offering gay sex targeted at convention goers. Meanwhile, the average age of an Olympic athlete is roughly 25, according to Sports Illustrated. These athletes are not politicians. They do not write anti-homosexual legislation, and their lives, their sex lives affect no one except for them and their partner, or partners, depending on what app they're using. The Beast's Olympic sex article looks even stranger when it is compared with the paper's response to a Gawker scandal in the summer of 2015. Gucker paid a gay escort for evidence that outed a seemingly unknown corporate figure that will remain nameless. Writers for the Daily Beast wasted no time in condemning the move, writing pieces titled Shame on Gawker. Gawker, it was deemed, was guilty of cheap, indiscriminate trashing of a man who is not a public figure, and what of his family life, asked Beast, Beast author Tim Tiernan, Tim Tiernan? Tim Tiernan, in another article. That is a very valid statement. That should have been applied to the Beast's own work. So, the Daily Beast uh, put up an apology, and the editor said they're sorry, but there are folks who are calling for the the journalist to resign. And uh, I think it's, yeah, it's really interesting how you would go after, you know, these, these young athletes uh, who um, don't even... Uh, yeah, these young athletes as opposed to uh, people in positions of power who are actually creating damage by being in the closet and then passing really hurtful legislation. Okay. Um, There's more stories to get to. I'm going to do one more, and then we'll take a music break, and then I'll finish up with some positive news because there is positive news out there, and I'll save that for last Um, because 
that's just what we do. So as mentioned with the conversation, um, the rate of violence against trans women, especially trans women of color, is exceedingly high. And often the media either doesn't talk about it, or when they do, they victim blame and or misgender people, and it's really um, horrendous. So I wanted to give the space and the time to um, name um, at least one woman who was killed recently, and this is uh, Raylan Thomas, an Ohio transgender woman killed by mom's ex who called her Satan. This is just disgusting. Trigger warning. Trigger warning before the show all the time. There's violence, and it's disgusting, and it's systemic, and it needs to stop. And this is from identities.mike. Oh, you can check it out at mike.com. Uh, the author is uh, Matthew Rodriguez, and this came out uh, today. Columbus, Ohio police are investigating the death of a 28-year-old Raylynn Thomas, who was shot and killed by her mother's ex-boyfriend, who lived with her family at the time, according to WBNS. Thomas's mother, Renee Thomas, shared her daughter's final words with local news. Mom, please, please don't leave me, Mom. I'm dying, she said. Mom, I love you. Tell my sisters and my brother I love them. Tell my family I love them. Mom, I'm dying. I'm dying. Please don't leave me. Renee Thomas said her daughter transitioned 10 years ago. Raylynn's aunt, Shannon Thomas, said Raylynn was a performer who was dedicated to fashion. According to Renee Thomas, her ex, James Allen Bird, was transphobic and often called Raylynn the devil. Renee Thomas says Bird repeated the word before shooting Raylynn in their Columbus home. He was in the bedroom, and he just came around the corner and shot my daughter, she said. After two shots, Bird grabbed Raylynn and began beating her. He took a light away from all of us that we can't get back, Shannon Thomas said to WBNS. And he needs to pay. He needs to pay. Aside from memories, the family said they have a recording of Raylan singing Boys to Men's It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday from four months ago. At least five transgender women have been killed in the past two months. On Wednesday, Mike reported that 36-year-old Erica Tyrina was killed in El Paso, Texas. In July, three transgender women were killed in the United States. Washington, D.C.'s Denikia Dodds, Mississippi's D. Wiggum, and Cleveland's Sky Muckabee. Muckabee and Thomas's death happened within weeks of each other in the same state, Ohio. Local Ohio community organizers have expressed their condolences and plan to take action. Our hearts, minds, and condolences are with the family, friends, and community of Raylan in this time of tragedy, Aaron Eckhart. Training and Technical Assistance Director of the Buckeye Region Anti-Violence Organization said in a statement, We must continue to come together as a broad community of support to say hate has no home in Ohio. Hate has no home anywhere, Eckhart added. An official from New York City's Anti-Violence Project said this is the 18th confirmed killing of a transgender or gender non-conforming person in 2016. Of the 24 reported hate violence homicides of LGBTQ people in 2015, 67% were transgender or gender nonconforming, according to the NCAVP's annual report on hate violence. 13 of the 24, 54% of those killed, were trans women of color. Both Raylan's mother and aunt went to see Bird spend his life in jail. I want to see him go to jail forever, Shannon Thomas said. Life in prison. Spend your life in prison. That's what you do. Renee Thomas said, I don't want you to spend your f life with your family. Bird, 53, is being held on a $2 million bond and faces a murder charge for Raylan's death, which is not being investigated as a hate crime. Oh, fuck. 
And welcome back to the weekly review. That was Star Amarasu with Little Bird, and you can find that on the album Eclipsing. And you can find more of Star's work if you go to the SoundCloud page, and that is soundcloud.com slash staramarasu, and that is S-T-A-R-A-M-E-R-A-S-U. And Star's also recording a new album, so I really look forward to hearing that soon. Um, Yes. Okay, so um, there's a lot of great places that folks can donate um, money to if you have it. Um, as mentioned before, uh, if you go to spectrumcrimity.com, you can donate to the Fun Run, and we'll also be listing some of the other organizations that can folks mentioned where the, the funds will go directly to uh, services and people that it's helping. Another organization I wanted to shout out to was the Coalition on Homelessness, San Francisco, and that's a really great organization. Um, we've had uh, Jennifer Friedenbach, the ED, uh, in here. And they are currently, since the administration... Uh, seems to want to criminalize homeless folks and make problems worse and not help people. I'm definitely not angry about this, am I? Um, <laughs> um, nonprofits and other organizations seek to actually help the folks on the streets. And so one thing that they're doing is raising th- uh, $30,000 to help stop the sweeps of homeless people in San Francisco and move people into permanent housing. So you can find this at handup.org slash campaigns slash stop the homeless sweeps. I've also, if you go to my personal uh, Facebook page, Roman Reimer, I've posted a link there as well as on the uh, weekly review page. And if I haven't, I'll do that real soon. I'll do that right now while this is happening. So uh, it's for sure happening. And so you can find it if you'd like to donate to this organization as well. And it's just, I mean, it just shows how the system is designed to fail because it if all these nonprofits exist only to make sure everyone's getting their basic needs met and the systems that are in place, not only do they not do that, but they kind of work to oppress people. Ugh. Anyway, they're 81% at their goal. There's 17 hours left, so you can donate and or spread the word. And then they want to help us raise $30,000 to stop the sweeps of homeless people in San Francisco and move people into permanent housing. We need solutions. There's a, it's easy to say, oh, this is messed up. But for folks to actually come in and, you know, create ideas, concrete solutions to, to stop this and to help folks, I think is great. And we need to support that. Um, so they say, for months, the city has been devastating our community, sending police, Caltrans, and DPW workers to encampments across the city to confiscate homeless people's property, including medications and survival gear, and forcing people to move when they have nowhere to go. Meanwhile... The city is spending over $20.6 million annually to criminalize homeless people, giving more tickets than ever before. There's a lot of horrendous shit that's, I mean, there's just disgusting. I'm going to, yeah, the city is spending over $20.6 million to criminalize homeless people. And yet it, it makes me really fucking angry when people end up just taking their anger out on homeless folks individually instead of the systems that are in place, which criminalize them for merely existing. It makes me furious. The city is spending money to criminalize them instead of spending money on housing for them and services for them. Anyway, whew, I'm going to calm down internally, externally. One of these, I'll calm down some way so I can read the news. 
We've done everything we can to react to the city's affront, showing up at 5 a.m. to bear witness as the sweeps happened on Division Street and other locations, monitoring and taking statements from those who have property confiscated in order to follow up with legal action, holding protests and press conferences, and facilitating meetings with policymakers and members of the homeless community. But we can't afford to keep playing defense. We need your support now more than ever as we begin a campaign to get the city of San Francisco to implement federal guidelines for how to address encampments humanely, stopping with stopping the uh, invasive and violent displacement over which Mayor Edley has presided. We have been forced to wage a campaign that can turn back the vicious initiative being proposed by Supervisor Mark Farrell. Boo. Not if, ugh. Gonna, ugh that adds yet another anti-homeless law to the books, even though San Francisco already has 23 laws specifically targeting poor and homeless people. Your support now means we will be able to turn the tide and put forth our proactive measures rather than only being able to react to the political moves of elected officials. As we know that social change always comes, and we know that social change always comes from the streets. In the next six months, we will be building a street-based movement to challenge these sweeps. We will be going to encampments all over San Francisco and facilitating a series of speakouts, bringing together those most affected by the perpetual sweeps to challenge the constant criminalization and harassment of homeless people. At the same time, we will be campaigning for affordable housing and dignity for those who are forced to remain on the streets. This will include campaigning for a humane approach to encampments that requires long-term housing plans for those most impacted. We will also be working against Mark Farrell's initiative and demanding he take it off the ballot because we can't afford another anti-homeless law in San Francisco. Your donations go to supporting the bottom-up organizing that happens here at the Coalition on Homelessness as we send outreach workers, many of whom are homeless or have experienced homelessness in San Francisco, into the streets to build support for this program and to get homeless folks involved in a movement to end criminalization. The status quo of moving homeless people from block to block and intense criminalization has got to stop. The status quo of moving homeless people from block to block and intense criminalization has got to stop. It's time to take a stand with those who sleep on the streets. So again, you can check this out at handup.org slash campaigns slash stop the homeless sweeps. All right. Um, I'm going to just read a, we're running low on time, so we're going to read a brief that <laughs> can never ever get to any, everything. Um, so very quickly, uh, I promise I'll end on a positive news story, which is inspiring. Um, but first off, I just want to mention that the, the earth, the earth, the humans are destroying the earth, have been for a very long time. Thankfully, there are some humans who are standing up to that. Uh, and of course, they get arrested. We live in a police state because people who, again, the police, it's like you see these patterns everywhere. The police are, you know, punishing the protesters in Rio who are demanding that they have a right to live where they live. The police in San Francisco are punishing the homeless folks. And here we go. We got police arresting citizens blocking Dakota access pipeline construction. So people who want to protect the fucking earth are also being arrested. And you wonder why, <laughs> you wonder why folks are angry at the, the way things are set up. It's not, the system is working exactly as it's supposed to, and that's to oppress people. Nearly a dozen arrests have been made as indigenous tribal members and allies stand firm in their attempt to block the Dakota Access Pipeline from being built. As the sun rose on the second day of the occupation of the two pipeline construction entrance sites continued, um, the, the occupation of the two pipeline construction entrance sites continued. Around 9.30 a.m., over 20 security vehicles arrived to aid the construction workers with physical force 
and starting construction on that portion of the pipeline. With two construction entrances already occupied, police following orders following orders gets a lot of people killed of the construction company attempted to create a new entrance using orange fencing people in opposition then gathered at the newly formed entrance and stood in prayer some of them chose not to move when the police ordered the crowd back from an expanding police line and at least six were arrested before noon protests continued throughout the afternoon as more local tribal members and allies answered the call to come runners returning from their run to washington dc to deliver petitions saying saying no to the dakota access pipeline ran enchanting and singing some of those watching and running continued past the police line and were arrested throughout the afternoon police guarded construction crews fuckers as a new road was built where the pipeline will lay the protesters stayed through the evening as the construction workers were then escorted away with all their equipment by sheriffs and state troopers vehicles protesters and land defenders told unicorn riot that this was just the beginning and many more people were on their way to stand against the dakota access pipeline so this comes. This article, by the way, comes from um, it's going down, and then it's also published in uh, the EarthFirstJournal.org, and this came out today. And again, when you know it's talking about the land being taken away from indigenous people, it's still happening. It happened before a lot of us got here, and it's still fucking happening. It's a lot to be angry about. Something positive. I promise I'd end on a positive story, and that's something inspiring that's happening um, elsewhere. And to um, I guess provide the idea that we can take a look at what's working elsewhere and perhaps um, take notice and and work on creating that here. There's a lot of other negative news stories out there, and by negative, just really disheartening and really just, this is the world that we're living in and this is how people respond. So if you would like to read more and be aware of what's happening, you can also check out our weekly review webpage at facebook.com slash weekly rev. Good news, uh, this is not the one I'll be reading, but Detroit makes community college free. So that's something positive. Uh, women of Samsung walk out. National strike for equal pay hits Korea. That's pretty good. Glad that they're doing that. Some bad news. U.S. affirms its prohibition on medical marijuana because can't have medicine here. We can have guns. We can't have fucking medicine. Oh, man. I'm, oh. Um, the DOJ released a report on Baltimore police, and they're really fucked up. That's in summary. And uh, the L.A. Police Department shot a 14-year-old Latino man and getting down to the oh google there are some reports that google has removed palestine from google maps which is deeply problematic um oh in uganda there was a attack on uh lgbt uh parade and there's also a site if you go to the weekly review page you can find out how you can help uh lgbt ugandans who have been attacked again by police um I uh, try not to talk about too much about the presidential election here, although I do support Green Party policies. And so there have been some talks about how Jill Stein is also being attacked um, because she's uh, she's speaking the truth and some people are viewing her as a threat because she's getting a following. So there's that too. These are very, very abridged. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, get to the, the story that I wanted to finish up with, which comes from Barcelona. And, um, again, it's really important just to see how other places do really good things and how, what would happen if we were to, to, to take it there. And I'll be ending off on a clip today. So there's just, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot happening here. So, um, also it's the 50th, it was 50th anniversary of the Compton's cafeteria riot. So that's cool. That's something positive worth sharing. Here we go. Got it.
So this article comes from Vox.com, and it is uh, titled Superblocks, How Barcelona is Taking City Streets Back from Cars, updated by David Roberts. This is from August 4th. Modern cities are ruled by cars. Streets are designed for them. Bikers, pedestrians, vendors, hangers out, and all other forms of human life are pushed to the perimeter in narrow lanes or sidewalks. Truly shared spaces are confined to parks and the occasional plaza. This is such a fundamental reality of cities that we barely notice it anymore. Some folks, however, still cling to the old idea that cities are for people, that more common space should be devoted to living in the city rather than getting through it or around it. But once you've got a city that's mostly composed of street grids devoted to moving cars around, how do you take it back? Can cities be reclaimed for people? The city of Barcelona has come up with one incredibly clever solution to that problem. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the superblock. As anyone who has visited knows, Barcelona is absolutely dreamy, one of the most pleasant, walkable cities on earth, filled with markets, sidewalk cafes, and bustling street life. But... It, too, has become clogged by cars and choked by air pollution over the past few decades. So, in 2014, it developed an urban mobility plan designed to give the city back to the people and reduce pollution. In America, we can't even agree on the idea that cities are for people. We still decry bike lanes as a war on cars, even in our allegedly progressive West Coast cities. So, from where I'm sitting, the Barcelona plan is pretty fantastic. 186 miles of new bike lanes, a revamped bus system with better access and more frequency, more green space, and on and on. But the coolest idea in it is Superblocks, Superi in Catalan, a concept developed by Salvador Ruda, director of the Urban Ecology Agency of Barcelona. Cities of the Future has a great interview with Ruda and a history of the Superblocks concept, highly recommended. The Guardian also has a nice piece. The idea is pretty simple. Take nine square blocks of city. It doesn't have to be nine, but that's the ideal. Rather than all traffic being permitted on all the streets between and among those blocks, cordon off a perimeter and keep through traffic, freight, and city buses buses on that. In the interior, only allow local vehicles traveling at very low speeds, under 10 miles an hour. And make all interior streets one-way loops. See the arrows on the green streets below. So none of them serve through streets like so and they have a picture here and it explains it i i don't know how to be able to explain this visual but it looks pretty awesome it's like there's like a it's a grid and the intersecting lines from so it's like like say it's like a tic-tac-toe board so all those lines from the middle of the tic-tac-toe going all the way up the two lines in the middle those are all green and then there's like a four (laughs) on the outside those would be black and those are like for the um basic network and the green ones in the middle are local network uh, i could use a better description check out the visual uh, vox.com for the article it looks great in this way you can create a nine square block mini village the interior spaces of which can be more equitably ch- shared between cars and other uses the plan will be implemented in two phrases from the cities of the future piece In the first phase of the plan, which is now being implemented in a few areas, the maximum speed on the roads within the superblock is limited to 20 kilometers, uh, which is 12.5 miles per hour. Phase one of the superblocks can be implemented easily at low cost, mainly through the changing traffic signals. 
Ruta estimates that Barcelona can implement phase one across the city for less than 20 million euros, which is $22 million. Phase two is more ambitious. It will transform city life and the way people use public spaces. Curbside parking within the superblocks will disappear by building off-street garages, and the maximum speed will be 10 kilometers an hour, or six miles an hour, allowing people to use the streets for games, sport, and cultural activities, such as outdoor cinema. Oh, this looks awesome. So... You know, all those pedestrian avenues and open plazas you love so much in old, built, pre-automobile cities? This would amount to giving every citizen direct access to something similar. If superblocks were fully implemented across the city, Ruta estimates that 60% of the road space now devoted solely to cars would be shifted to mixed-use or car-free. Amazing! The Barcelona government lists uh, six aims for superblocks. One, more sustainable mobility. Two, Revitalization of public spaces. Three, promotion of biodiversity and urban green. Four, promotion of urban social fabric and social cohesion. Five, promoting self-sufficiency in the use of resources. Six, integration of governance processes. The idea that these superblocks would become distinct communities, neighborhoods within neighborhoods, share with shared governance and common resources, the urban equivalent of a microgrid, if you will. Superblocks are being implemented in several neighborhoods in Barcelona now, and there's potential for many more. And they have another map. Whew. They've caught on in a few other Spanish cities as well, but Ruta emphasizes that the model can be used in any city in any country and that it's far cheaper than building new infrastructure. Superblocks are easier to implement when you start with a neat street grid, as in Barcelona's Example District. I, I know I just butchered that name. Um, ex, example? Example? Um, where some of the first ones are located. But there's no reason the basic idea couldn't be adapted to other configurations. Now, imagine the city where you live or your neighborhood. Imagine confining motorized vehicle traffic, and I do this all the fucking time, to a, perimeter, to a perimeter around several interior blocks where space could be opened up to festivals, farmer's markets, bikes, families strolling, kids playing in the streets, and you there in your favorite chair at the sidewalk cafe watching it all go down as you slip an, as you slip, <laughs> as you sip an espresso. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it fucking would. And I think about that all the time, especially with like Lake Merritt, how nice it would be if cars were not allowed on the like exterior of Lake Merritt, how it was just bikes uh, there. Um, just because it's to be by nature is nice. And then to have the pollution and the noise of cars and the energy of cars too, and the anger of drivers, how nice that would be. So perhaps this will take seed and it will work in Barcelona. They'll implement it and it might stretch elsewhere, including the US. That would be pretty awesome. At first, we've got to stop building those fucking pipelines. Okay, so that's been the show. It's been quite a lovely two hours here. Another big thank you to Kinfolks and Samson McCormick for calling in. Again, you can check them out and uh, at spectrumqueermedia.com and samsoncomedy.com. And um, here at Mutiny Radio, there's shows every day of the week. We've got the Noise Pop Festival coming up on... August 20th. There's going to be stuff happening here um, and a few blocks away all day, so you can check out the Mutiny Radio uh, page for all that info. It's a live day, a day, a live day, a day of live music, comedy, and more in studio at Mutiny Radio, and all events will be streamed live at mutinyradio.fm. So what you're listening to now, you'll be able to listen to it then. You can also come in in person. There's going to be a clothing swap in the morning. Uh, Clothing swaps are awesome, and they're great fun, and you can come in and donate some clothes that are in, in good condition and perhaps pick up something for yourself if you would like um yeah that too so i hope everyone has a pretty awesome week 
And I'm going to leave everyone here with a clip of a protest that was happening. Oh, my gosh, there's so much I didn't even get to. But there is this awesome protest in New York, of course. Uh, uh, Chief Bratton stepped down. It was uh, people put pressure on, on the NYPD to and on Bill de Blasio to have Bratton fired, and he was. There's many more demands. They want to defund the NYPD, similar to what's happening across the country, uh, to have police departments defunded since they're killing people. Okay, so here's this awesome uh, march from Million is, uh, Millions March NYC added this uh, protest video. Uh, it's pretty short, but um, I just dig the intersectionality and just everyone standing up for one another. I think that's beautiful, and that's the future uh, of the world. Uh, so, yeah, here we go, and everyone have a wonderful week. Stay tuned. Uh, Women's Magazine with Global Val is coming up next, followed by Common Thread Collective. Have a great week, everyone.